the Barcode Podcast with your host, Chris Glandon, serving cybersecurity straight up with no chaser. Let's hit the bar and grab a drink. Yo, Tony, happy New Year's, man. Hey, Chris, what's up? Happy New Year's to you. Do you have another uh, shindig at the house? Nah, I had no plans, so I just laid low. It is what it is. Yeah, well, that sucks. We had a great time here at the Barcode. And uh, we actually have a drink for you tonight. I think the Barcode even named it after you. Oh, man, I'm honored. What do you call it? Uh, The suffering bastard. You do one ounce of gin, one ounce of rum, one ounce of lime juice, a couple dashes of bitters. Shake it, pour it into a glass of ice, top it off with some ginger ale. Nice. Well, listen, speaking of suffering and shaming... You know, knowledge shaming is a very important subject that we need to hit on, and it happens way too often in our industry. I want to go kick it down there with a friend of mine who is determined to stop it from happening. All right, man. Well, you guys have fun, and we'll see you next round. Regina Blumen is an InfoSec professional who previously worked in IT marketing for almost a decade before leaving the dark side and moving across. She is an experienced panelist, guest author, podcast guest, and was recently nominated as Technical Employee of the Year, Role Model of the Year, Rising Star, and Woman of the Year in the CRN Women in Channel Awards. She also volunteers for the Cyber House Party and is part of the Ladies of London Hacking Society. Regina, so glad to have you join me today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. Sure thing. So I have to ask you, IT marketing to cybersecurity. Slight change there, yep. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> and did someone not warn you about the repercussions of that move? <laughs> <laughs> I try and keep on the down low as much as possible. Marketing's a dirty word. So um So I've been really lucky when the companies that I work for in marketing, I've always worked with really good technical teams. And I found when I was marketing, I could always market best and I could do my job best if I understood what I was selling, which I know a lot of marketers don't always do. Um, But I was really lucky to have a good engineering team with me um, who would always explain things. And I just started to find everything really interesting, like the tech side of things. and then I got asked to go to a, uh, it was CloudSec, which is one of Trend Micro's conferences. And that was my first security conference. And I was sent there just to kind of get some content for the company. Um, and I just fell in love with it. Um, and kind of from there on, just kind of nerded out as much as I could and, and finally made the move across um, last year. So Nice. So did you have a technical background nope. when you got into marketing? So this was all brand new to you. Yep. Brand new. Very cool. So you, you've certainly been making some waves in the industry since your arrival, uh, including a recent stop at Black Hat Europe. Yep. Um, and you spoke on a topic there that I feel is, you know, long overdue to be discussed, uh, which is the act of knowledge shaming. So in your words, would you mind defining what that term means for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so To me, knowledge shaming is all around the concept of perfectionism. And if you get something wrong, it's this kind of vilification of of learning. Um, 
which is completely backwards to everything that we should be doing as an industry and everything that we do do. Because like I said, you know, if I didn't have a good group of people around me who supported me in making mistakes, I wouldn't be in my job. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. So it's not a kind of industry bashing as a whole, but it's definitely a thing that I see more and more and someone, you know, you get something wrong and people just jump on it. Um, I don't know how, how active you are on Twitter, but there's a lot of, a lot of threads on Twitter where someone will say stuff and sometimes it is willfully. Sometimes, you know, someone is saying something where they absolutely deserve to be called out for that. But I think the problem is that there's new people who are watching that and they don't really understand why, why they're wrong or why people are upset about what's been said or something. And they just see this outpouring of, of kind of anger and hatred and it, it makes them sit back and it makes them then not want to share their bit. Um, and that's what I think is really dangerous if, if we have a culture like that that's silencing people because they're scared of this backlash. Um, I think that, you know, that's going to harm us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, being hesitant when it comes to sharing insights and, and having that fear of ridicule. Yeah. It's a, a risk that you take and it's scary and intimidating. Um, and you spoke to several high profile individuals in our industry about this who are very outspoken, uh, very active online. And you found that this is more common than most people think. Yeah, I thought this was something that, you know, like I, as you said, you know, I'm, I'm fairly new to the industry. And so I thought this is maybe something um, that's only affecting people like me. And look, there's a, a healthy, a healthy sense of, you know, kind of self-censoring sometimes where I need to remember that I don't know everything. Um, but the more I started to talk to people, and these are people who, you know, it's people like Rick Ferguson, when I spoke to him, he was saying, you know, the amount of times that I stop myself from publishing something because I think everyone knows this already. And I just thought, you know, it's one thing for me to not say something because, you know, a lot of times what I'm learning, people already know. Rick's a clever guy. If we're stopping people who are far more clever than I am about, you know, sharing their information and, and talking about things, then we're in real trouble because it means that we're we're not learning. We're just existing in this echo chamber with with the same voices over and over again. Right. Yeah. We are. We tend to be self isolated a lot of those times. Yeah. Now I found that in our industry, you mentioned Twitter. Uh, so Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, I think those are the big two, but you, you take any other social media platforms as well. And from my personal experience, I've noticed that the leaders in those arenas are sharing original content online. They, they, yeah. They've gotten past that barrier. They're able to write their views and, and share them out. And it's their personal thoughts, their opinions, their insights. Yeah. And, um, you know, whether you agree or you disagree with those statements, it sparks the conversation, which... I think is is much more important. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think it's really healthy. Um, and you know, one of the one of the things that I mentioned in my uh, in my black hat talk was, you know, the the concept of hearing other other voices, even if it's only to understand that there is someone else who thinks that way. That's still a valuable thing because if you think that everyone is on your side and everyone believes what you believe hmm. it can be really it can be really like disconcerting to realize that like oh god there's this you know the first time i realized that like the flat earth thing was a like 
there's people who actually believe that. <laughs> right. You know, it, it can be the same. You know, people, there's actually a subset of people in the industry who believe that SMS 2FA is worse than not having it on at all. Like there's a, a group of people who believe that. I don't agree with them, but yeah. it's important for me to realize if I'm, if I'm encountering people who maybe have learned from people like that, if I'm training people who have learned from people like that, it's important to understand that that is a viewpoint that people have, which I didn't realize until recently. Yeah. And, and there could be two opinions on completely different sides of the spectrum yeah. from predominant leaders in the field. So I, I, I read LinkedIn and I'll see a leader say, you know, passwordless authentication is coming soon. Yeah. Um, that's the wave of the future. And then, you know, I'll see another established cybersecurity leader that's been in the game for, you know, 20 plus years who will say passwords will never go away. Um, yeah. And then they will give their reason why. So here you have two leaders in the industry with two completely different perspectives, but you have to respect both. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, there's, I think it's really easy to say that everything's black and white and, you know, this is, this is secure or this isn't, and this is the way to do things or it isn't, but there's nuances and there's, it's never as, as simple as just saying, you know, right, this is passwordless. This is the future. We're going to do away with passwords. Well, if a company doesn't have an infrastructure to support that, then <laughs> it's a really stupid thing to do. Yeah. And there's not going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of small companies who kind of aren't there yet. So to say that this is the direction we're moving, well, it's not because it, you know, it, in their business needs, they don't need to invest in the infrastructure to support a passwordless experience for people. So, you know, it just, I think it's all about nuances. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. We're very black and white a lot of times. Yeah, there are many variables and dynamics involved. Yeah. Um, so from your perspective, then, what is needed for someone to conquer that psychological fear of being judged or, or being knowledge chained? So I think there's, there's two things, really. Um, you need to back yourself. And I know that that's a really kind of twee thing to say where it's like, oh, you know, I don't want to sound like a, like a TED Talk speaker, you know, back, trust yourself. <laughs> But the amount of times that people would recommend, you know, as I am still learning things and as I was learning things, people would recommend podcasts to me or they'd recommend webinars to me. Um, and I would try and listen to them. And there was just something in the way where I was like, this just isn't clicking for me. It's not, you know, not my way of learning. It's the way they're explaining it. Whatever it is, it's not clicking for me. And then I'd go and look up something else on the topic and I'd find a blog post about it and it made perfect sense. Everyone explains things in a slightly different way. Everyone has a slightly different approach to it. And that's influenced by your background. That's influenced by your education, by your work experience, everything. And so even if you think that you're explaining something that someone else has explained a million different times, your perspective on it and your way of explaining it could be that thing that clicks for somebody there's someone else who will understand it the way that you've presented it, which no one else has done before. Mm. So I think kind of understanding that is really important to say that, you know, your voice is not, you're not a nobody, your voice and your understanding can be valuable to somebody. Um, but the other thing is we, you know, I'm absolutely guilty of it sometimes on, on things like Twitter and, and even LinkedIn. 
where I'm very quick to, and I'm, I am trying to be better at this. <laughs> I don't want to be too much of a hypocrite. Um, where I can be really quick to have that knee jerk reaction of like, no, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think acknowledging that in yourself, when you jump on somebody and say, no, that's wrong to take a step back and say, you know, well, why is it wrong? Is it actually factually wrong? Um, or is it just a difference of opinion? Is someone saying that the sky looks a bit purple or are they saying that it is purple because there's a different, right? So I think it's that understanding of taking a step back and kind of looking at why am I reacting in this way? And, you know, why is this person's statement or video or whatever it is kind of caused this reaction in me? Got it. So on the other side then of the conversation, the reader's perspective, the content consumer's perspective, um, how can they become better at disagreeing while eliminating the negative impact, the the sense of hate, right? Is it just taking time to read that post and understanding how they got there? Or is it, you know, just common courtesy? Um, kind of. Um, <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, again, without trying to be too like kumbaya about everything, like we're all never, we're never going to agree and we're never going to get along on everything and that's fine. Yeah. Um, but you can disagree without making it personal and, you know, the kind of the personal attacks and it, it's just a really bad look for the industry. And I think it's really, really toxic and, and it is causing people to leave the industry. It's causing people not to want to join the industry. Um, and that's a real shame because, you know, whatever we're doing right now, like we haven't, we haven't cracked security, right? Like the, the same things are still happening. People are still clicking on, on phishing links and companies are still getting hit by ransomware and S3 buckets are still getting misconfigured and, you know, we're not learning. And so to say that we don't need fresh voices and a fresh pair of eyes in the industry, well, we do because we haven't fixed it yet. So I think the personal attacks have, have absolutely got to go. Um, the other thing, one of the other things I mentioned, um, and this is a bit of a tangent, sorry. Um, so my, my company, we've got five core values and two of those are care and candor. Um, and I've worked a lot of places where company values are kind of put up maybe on a mural on the wall or something. And that's pretty much the most attention anyone pays to them. Um, but we really, I've never worked anywhere where they've been, uh, this, this kind of supportive and they've really evangelized the value so much and care and candor are the, the two that really go hand in hand. And, you know, whether that's someone, if, if some, if you're disagreeing with somebody because they've said something factually incorrect, if they've said something that you just fundamentally disagree with, whatever it is, you should be disagreeing with that care in mind and you should be disagreeing not to make them look stupid, not to make them feel bad, but you should be disagreeing to educate. Um, Like I said, a lot of the times, you know, if people are sitting back and they're watching this pile on online, they don't understand why they don't, you know, there was, I don't know if you saw, there was a guy who um, he was talking about like a remote code execution vulnerability. And it was basically like, well, if you've unlocked your iPhone, then this could happen. Like, well, yeah, we know. But if you don't understand the kind of nuances of that, then you would go, well, this guy's disclosed a vulnerability and everyone's jumping on him and I don't get why they're doing that. Um, And so I think that it needs to be, there needs to be an element of care with everything. So if you're disagreeing with somebody, if you're being honest with them, that's fine. And that candor is appreciated and is needed. 
but you have to do it for the right reasons. Don't just do it to make yourself look good and don't do it to make them look bad. Cause I just think that's really toxic. Yeah, I, I agree as well. And when, when we're talking about this subject in my mind, I keep going back to Twitter, LinkedIn, social media platforms. Cause that's where you see it all the yeah. time now, especially with the pandemic, you're online 24 seven, but you know, this also carries over to live events to the boardroom. Yeah. You know, whether online or on site, how can someone get into that comfort zone? Is it helpful to get feedback up front and then just build confidence that way? Or I guess what would be your suggestion to help someone boost their own confidence? Yeah. So I think, um, I think, you know, having a trusted network around you that you can kind of bounce ideas off of. And I did that with my black hat talk before I submitted it. I spoke to so many people about, you know, look, I think this is something that I want to really address. I think that this is a real issue. Um, and I spoke to so many people and, you know, is it just me? Is this just kind of because I'm new to the industry? Am I seeing things differently? Um, and I know that not everyone is fortunate and I've, I've got a really good network around me and I know that not everyone is, is that fortunate. Um, so yeah, anonymous posts on, on Reddit is, is a good, you know, it's not always known for being the most welcoming place. So you need to have a, maybe a thick skin to do that. Um, but people will be honest with you on there. Um, but even just a peer review, you know, if you don't have a good network, put it out online and just say, look, I need some people who are experienced in X because I want to talk about something. And if you feel more comfortable having something sanity checked before you put it out there, you know, look for those people. Cause there, there are, you know, by and large, like I said, this isn't meant to be criticism of, of everybody in the industry because I've absolutely been a recipient of so many supportive people. So there are plenty of people out there who will support you. Um, so just reach out and ask and, you know, I, I know that that can be difficult and I know it's difficult to, to kind of be vulnerable and ask for help. And, um, but I think there's, that's the only way forward is you've got to, you know, you've got to do it somehow. Um, so yeah, get feedback anonymously or just ask, you know, ask for people in your work, um, ask people online who you've looked up to, who you trust, you know, message them. Um, cause you know, that's how, that's how I've gotten to know a lot of people. Um, and they're great people to have in, in your network and kind of supporting you. Yeah. And I would also add, you know, don't be afraid to build that network. Um, you want to establish trust amongst your peers that will become your platform to really voice your thoughts and opinions. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And we all continue to build networks and continue learning insecurity. Even seasoned professionals learn every day. And even if it's seeing another person's perspective, if they believe they're wrong, that's going to help them project that message in a different way, maybe. Because if one person feels that way, there's going to be more. So understanding that maybe there is a misconception there. Okay, let me, let me fix that. Let me, let me send that message a different way. Yeah, let me address. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even if this is something where you go, you know, I've talked to some other people and this is a common problem, but I've since found out that we've all kind of misunderstood it and it's wrong. At least you know that there's a common misconception and then you can talk about it. Um, the other thing I'd, I'd mention um, is kind of evaluating and making sure you know why you do want to put something out there in the first place. Like 
if it's just an opinion in response to something, you know, fill your boots, like you say what you want. Um, but I think that there's a real thing where people are like, I want to do a talk because, and it's almost like a, a bucket list thing that they want to do a talk. They don't have a topic. It's just a thing that they want to present. Um, and it's almost like the talk comes first and then the topic comes after. And I, I think that that's, you know, that I think that that can be borderline dangerous because you're kind of trying to come up with something to fill a void. And it's like, if you don't have something to say, like, don't get up there just for the sake of it, just because you see other people doing it. Don't think that it's like, it's this bucket, this thing that you have to give a talk to, to be somebody in InfoSec or whatever. Right. You know, if you don't have something to say, that's fine. <laughs> you don't need to. Right. It doesn't make you less of a professional or less of a contributor to the industry because you're not speaking at conferences. Don't force it. Yeah. Don't force it. But if you have something to share, you know, share it. And, and I think everyone learns, um, yeah. in the end. So it's, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned that you are newly transplanted into the security field and, yeah, I came over into security from the IT world in 2012. And for me, I was hooked day one. Yeah. The security concepts were uh, extremely exciting to me. And the feeling for me hasn't gone away. And just by our conversation, I can tell you that you already have that drive. Yeah. No, this is um, I when I was looking at moving over, there was someone who said, you know, is is this just something that you're kind of dabbling in? Is this something that you're going to get bored? And like, look, I did marketing for, for 10 years. I never once did marketing in my free time. I never took time off to go to marketing conferences. I wasn't bad at it, but I didn't love it. Um, whereas, you know, security, I'm like, yeah, weekend capture the flags or go to conferences on at nights and weekends and I'll dial into US conferences, you know, which go till midnight 1am our time and i never did that with marketing so the passion is is absolutely there you find it and you're like yeah this is my lane right here yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> so i need to uh, i need to quickly ask you for your expert beverage knowledge yes what do you like to sip on after a long day of knowledge sharing so i'm I'm on two opposites. So cocktails, I can only do kind of one or two. Um, and I, I like the really sugary sweet ones where you can't taste alcohol. Um, <laughs> Those are the dangerous ones. I know they are. Yeah. <laughs> um, my drink of choice is, is a beer. Um, okay. Any, anything apart from really, really hoppy IPAs, I don't like. Um, but either like a really crisp um, big wave from Hawaii is one of my favorites. Um, or a Guinness, depending on my mood. So again, like I'm <laughs> on both sides of the spectrum there. Okay. So what's a, what's a popular beer in the, uh, in the UK? Um, I mean, it depends. We've got all of our, like the equivalents to like Budweiser and stuff. So we've got like Stella and Amstel and stuff like that, um, which you can get anywhere. Um, Camden, do you have Camden Town Brewery in the States? Have they made it over there? Uh, that doesn't sound familiar now. So that's probably one of our, certainly in London, that's definitely one of our biggest. Um, so they do a really nice lager and a really nice pale ale, um, which is super crisp, really refreshing. Um, great, great brewery. Do you have any other um, 
maybe cool bars or I'm a big fan of speakeasies. Um, do you have anywhere like that? That's uh, just a really cool atmosphere or, or an ambiance there. Um, so speakeasy, there's one, uh, it's called zero Aldrich, Um, and it's basically, um, it's an old public toilet, which is basically downstairs. <laughs> so you're walking down the sidewalk and there's steps that go below ground level and it's old public toilets, which have been converted into like a burlesque speakeasy club. They have great cocktails there. Um, and they have see-through toilet doors. So when you lock them, they like mist up. Um, but inevitably the drunker people get the less they remember to lock the door all the way like you have to properly spin the latch till it like clicks oh man um so it sometimes gets a bit awkward late in the (laughs) especially if you go there with the work people you're like um door door wasn't locked (laughs) now that sounds awesome i need to put that on my list it's really really cool um other than that it's just local pubs really um so yeah, there's there's loads of great pubs in London. It's my favorite thing to just kind of spend a, a rainy afternoon in a pub. Well, I just heard last call here. Uh, do you have time for one more? Yeah. If you decided to open a cybersecurity themed bar, what would the name be and what would your signature drink be called? Oh, so it would be called Open Source. Okay. Um, and it, it would just be a fully stocked bar because um, my mate who I asked about this, she was like, you should never be in charge of making anybody drinks because <laughs> I'm not very good at measuring. So my cocktails are always super, super, super lethal. Um, and not like to the point that they're not even that enjoyable to drink. <laughs> they're that strong. Um, so it'd be an open source bar, fully stocked. People can help themselves and they can just pay by the poor. Um, because yeah, I'm a horrible bartender and should never be in charge of that. <laughs> nice. So it's it's open source, so the drinks aren't free? No, the drinks aren't free. Um, it's, yeah, licensed. Okay, because you wouldn't stay in business that long. No. <laughs> <laughs> People can contribute their own recipes there if you don't know what you're doing. Oh, I love that. Yeah, but I'm just not getting involved in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. No, very cool. So uh, last thing before you go, where can our listeners find you online? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Reggie Blinker. Um, so it's Reg G Blinker um, or LinkedIn. It's Regina B. Cool. So Regina, thanks again for uh, for your time and for sharing your knowledge with us today. And uh, I wish you much continued success. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks very much. Awesome. Take care. Cheers. Barco patrons. If you like this episode and would like to support the podcast, rate us on Apple Podcasts and visit our Patreon site, patreon.com slash barcode podcast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, check out the barcode podcast.com slash sponsor. Cheers. Unfortunately, it's time to shut the bar down for this episode. Thanks for stopping in. See you next time. We'll save you a seat. Be sure to check us out at thebarcodepodcast.com.